You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. Welcome to our blood-curdling bonus episode for Creature Features Halloween Horror here at 80s Visitors. We talk about Friday the 13th, Part 2, filling that Jason-shaped hole in our podcast since we've already done Part 1 and Part 3. And Part 2 came out May 1st, 1981. Ten days before the legendary Jamaican singer Bob Marley would pass away at age 36, my age. Actually, no, I'm sorry, I'm 37, uh, from cancer. <laughs> so I'm one year older than Bob Marley would have been back in 1981. But uh, check out some Bob Marley tunes after you listen to this episode of 80s Revisited right now. straight about Jason. His body was never recovered from the lake after he drowned. And if you listen to the old timers in town, they'll tell you he's still out there. Some sort of demented creature. Podcast host. Surviving. That's right. Special bonus episode of 80s Revisited for Halloween Horror, Friday the 13th, Part 2, and you will not believe who is sitting next to me right now. Not my executive producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. But sitting next to me, Trey Harris is none other than Jason Voorhees. Jason, say hello to all the people, please. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you for being here. We know you're busy, so we appreciate you taking your time. You promised he would talk this time. Make promises for this guy. I said, don't bring him if he's not going to talk. Jesse, Jesse, it's okay. Hey, it's it's. Oh, it, it, you don't have to talk if you don't want to. Just, I don't know this guy, all right? If you, it's okay. It's okay. Look, oh, put the the pitch for. Hey, just it's okay. It's okay, man. Cool. Remember? Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Hey, if you got something to say, just chime in, bro. Awesome. We're here to talk about your film, the first one that you're actually in as the killer. I mean, that's a big thing for you, right? He's not even nodding. <laughs> He's got daggers for you. <laughs> Whatever. Well, uh, I'm going to go find well, a car battery and some keys and get out of here. <laughs> I got a couple of pocket knives if he grabs you. That's an end joke for those of you who are awesome enough to play the Friday the 13th video game. But uh, yeah, we'll have some color commentary from Jason throughout the episode. So whenever you hear, you know... Dead air. Awesome that's, point. That's awesome point. <laughs> Dead air. <laughs> He's just joshing with you, yeah. Jason. <laughs> that's an inside joke, if anybody knows your Friday the 13th history, because Jason was almost called Josh. Ah. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was almost your name. I didn't know that about y- you. You could have been a Josh. You don't look like a Josh, though. Yeah. Definitely look like a Jason, I would say. That would have been a... Yeah, that doesn't sound scary. Josh! Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> that's why they changed it, because Josh did completely sounded completely unthreatening. I've been telling Josh Voorhees. Josh Voorhees. Doesn't, just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they, they, they got a good name. You got a great name. A manly name. Jason. <laughs> Jason. Jason. Heavy Rain reference. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of those things that, like, no matter where, if you've played that game and somebody says that, immediately you, you know exactly what they're talking about right. and you're probably going to holler it back to them. <laughs> 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 I know what they were going for. It. Yeah, Jason. You were panicking. Jason. Yeah. Jason. Yeah, they could have mixed some other things like him talking to the, where is he? Where is yeah, he? Just my split son? him up. But no nope. break for like five minutes. Yeah. Jason. Him asking the people nearby, have you seen a kid this up? You know, every time Anything. you hit that X. Yeah. Jason. Break it up. Not just Jason. Uh, well, let's talk about a Jason that we all know and love. Oh, yeah. That's this, you, Mr. Voorhees. Guy. I mean, is it Mr. Voorhees or you prefer Jason? 
Gotcha. Jason. Okay. All right. Well, uh, your second film opened on May 1st, 1981, barely a year after uh, the original came out because it was obviously so successful. Mm-hmm. IMDb gives this one a 6.1. Rotten Tomatoes, however, we're not kind. And just so you know, Mr. Voorhees, I mean, Jason, sorry, I forgot we're on a first right. name basis. Uh, you know, we, me and Jesse had nothing to do with the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. We're, mm. not, we're not those type of critics. They gave it 34%. Whoa, 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 where are you, where are you going? Oh, well, okay. Thanks for stopping by. Maybe you just wanted a drink. Uh, we'll see. Just l- please let me know if you see him come in the door a behind deep, me. Deep, deep drink. Well, uh, Jason stormed <laughs> off, so uh, if you rated this movie low on Rotten Tomatoes, run for your fucking life. I think he just jumped in my fish pond. <laughs> he travels by water. <laughs> Fastest way to travel. Like the ghost shark from the sci-fi original starring Night Court's bull. Uh, but anyway, 48% audience. Budget was an estimated $1.2 million, Opened at 64 Number one that week at the box office went on domestically to gross twenty one point seven million. Basically, made twenty point five million dollars in the pockets of the uh, studio with the second installment of what would end up being twelve total. Nowadays, that's a failure. Yeah, no. in, in terms of the gross amount, but the ratio right. of budget to sure, profit. Yeah, yeah. That's what the, that's what this series, that's what Nightmare on Elm Street, that's what they thrived on. Because I mean, keep in mind the the highest grossing of all of them was Freddy versus Jason within both series, but that's because that was the most Recent, not counting remakes, that was the one that came out, you know, ten years ago. Yeah, when budgets and box office numbers, you expected to get that. Hmm. But this one was directed by Steve Miner. Uh, he has a very eclectic uh, directorial history. Not he's one of the few directors who could be credited for not only directing a film with Jason Voorhees, but also H two O. He directed Michael Myers, and one of the better Halloween sequels for sure. Uh, also one of my mother's favorite movies, Forever Young with Mel Gibson. And he also directed a gigantic fucking crocodile, or excuse me, alligator, sorry, <laughs> with Lake Placid and the cult classic House, which uh, we'll eventually probably get to that one on the podcast on one Halloween horror eventually, or maybe throw it in there during the year somehow. But I was always a House 2 fan. Did you ever watch hmm. either of the houses? Or it does not, uh, I do not recall. Hmm. The second Comedy, one, fantasy, horror, huh? Yeah, it's, you know, it's... Much like his directing career, it's sort of like a mix of everything. A little slasher, a little drama, a little ridiculousness, and all that. Comedy is the first tag, though. House 2 is definitely like like comedy, like Ghostbusters is what I would compare House 2 oh, to. Okay. Uh, but House 2 was one of the, it was a regular TBS type movie, TNT movie, USA, up all night movie. I saw House 2 tons and tons on television, all the time it seemed. Uh, but yeah, it's starring uh, Cliff from Cheers too. That's one of the biggest things I remember about it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, written by Ron Kurtz, Kurz, excuse me, no T in his last name. He did the original as well as three and four. So he pretty much did the quadrilogy until they decided to, uh, you know, start have the uh, quote unquote new beginning, which is a very de- divisive film for Five to Thirteenth fans. But we're not talking about five. We're talking about part two. Excuse me. And it starred one of the coolest named actresses ever, Amy Steele. As Jenny, uh, she also starred in another horror film based on a holiday or a day of the year, uh, April Fool's Day, and a ton of television. Uh, John Fury, wow, Amy Steele, John Fury. Mm. They show their own like movie. <laughs> uh, but he was Paul. He was also in Flight 93, not the amazing, fantastic, emotionally charged United 93, directed by Paul Greengrass, which I watch every September 11th, but Flight 93, the made-for-television film that is garbage. <laughs> and also he did a ton of other television as well. Uh, Kirsten Baker was Terry. Uh, she was also in Gas Pump Girls and Teen Lust. 
Uh, so you kind of understand why she was in the film. Uh, Tom McBride was Mark. He was also in Remo Williams and an episode of Highway to Heaven. Uh, he also passed away in real, uh, reality uh, a while back uh, due to complications with AIDS. Uh, it was the 80s after all. Nobody knew what AIDS were at that time. Uh, Adrian King reprised the role of Alice for the first about 15 fucking minutes of this film as far as the recap went. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Friday the 13th. And she also had a bit role in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Uh, Walt Gorney was back from the first one as Crazy Ralph with his death curse. Uh, he was also, though, also, however, in Trading Places and Day of the Animals, a delightfully ridiculous B-film that uses animal stock footage to make you believe that animals are attacking people. <laughs> uh, Steve Dash was Jason in this one. Uh, and when I say that he was Jason... Uh, no, sorry, Steve Dash was the main Jason, excuse me. Uh, he was also in Nighthawks, Ghostbusters. Uh, he's a stuntman. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he's... He did a great job in this, but uh, Warrington Gillette, what a, that sounds like a, a cyborg, Van Damme cyborg, Gibson Rickenbacker type name, Warrington Gillette, uh, but he was the unmasked version of Jason uh, that uh, busted the wind at the end. I don't know why, but, but actually I do know why, because I watched Crystal Lake Memories, the six hour plus documentary about the entire franchise, which again, if you like, actually if you just like informative documentaries about film, it's a fantastic documentary, it goes film by film. Uh, and everything, but pretty much he was a pussy and didn't want to do the stunts, so, which is why Steve wow. Dash came in to do the stunts, and Warrington Gillette went through a window. And Poetic Justice, the first time he tried to go through it, it didn't break, and he banged his head on it. <laughs> like, so, this uh, one I didn't want to do it, guys. <laughs> but he was also in a film called Time Walker, and there you go. That's all I'm going to talk about him. And Betsy Palmer returned as Miss Voorhees, uh, of course, the original uh, Friday the 13th, uh, also recurring role in Knott's Landing, and she's a veteran of old Hollywood films. Uh, nothing, you know, that is well regarded in terms of today, like you know, No Gone with the Winds or Sounds of Music, Sound of Musics, or anything like that. A lot of uh, bad plurals there in my pronunciation. I apologize, uh, but a lot of just older Hollywood films. She was a big name. In fact, uh, if you remember when we did our Friday Thirteenth episode, if I remember that I mentioned it, uh, Gene Siskel was shocked that she would lower herself to be in such filth like Friday the Thirteenth because she was a classy Hollywood actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, once again, as well, returning to the series, uh, Harry Manfredini, the composer, of course, who up to this day is still doing music for Friday the 13th in, in forms of the uh, video game. Hmm. So uh, this part two was always one as a kid. I saw The Town That Dreaded Sundown before I saw this as a kid. And mm-hmm. for the longest time as a, as a kid, you know, six, seven year old, I thought The Town That Dreaded Sundown was Friday the 13th part two. Because if you know your horror movies, Town That Dreaded Sundown features a killer with a white sack on his head, but he has two eye holes. Not just one like Jason has. Because, of course, Jason's eyes hang one lower than the other. So they didn't put two asymmetrical eye holes in his mouth. They just used the one. And that was basically, if you watched the Crystal Lake documentary, if I remember correctly on that, they just wanted a way to cover his face. And that was, they figured that's what Jason would have to cover his face with. A potato sack. And that's why this Jason is usually called Potato Sack Jason. Hmm. Although I find it very effective, uh, a little KKK reminiscent, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> yeah, if they would have got the corner of it, yeah. It yeah, I mean, been. you know, the thing is, when I'm watching it, anytime I see this film or The Talented Red Sundown, I just go back to the, the very first South Park Halloween episode where Carbon shows up dressed like Hitler and, like, whoa, 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 we can't uh, have you dressed like that ch- child. Yeah. Here, you be a ghost. I'm a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> but, and that's what Jason and. The killer in Talented at Sundown uh, look like <laughs> when I see him in these. That's what I think about every single time. But uh, yeah, this is 
a notable entry in the series for a variety of... Well, hold on, let me, I guess let me finish on my experience with it. So yeah, okay. for the longest time, I thought the wrong movie was Friday the 13th Part 2 because I always knew... I didn't know... I, everybody knew that it, he didn't have his hockey mask yet because that wasn't until Part 3, which we already talked about on the podcast yeah, and how that came about. So it wasn't until, you know, again, TBS, TNT, USA would have... On, a, on, on their Friday... When, like when you're listening to this on a Friday the 13th, those stations would have Friday the 13th marathons and play... You know, play a few of them all night, throughout the night. Uh, so that was when I found like, wait a second. I don't remember any of this. Oh, that's why. And then realized that it was, in fact, this one. That's when I finally saw the real one was on television. And mm-hmm. corrected my, you know, prepubescent mistake for which film was which. So, but this was one, you know, it, today, revisiting it today, it's a fantastic slasher film it's a it, i think it's much better than people give it credit for in this it, within the series uh most people dismiss it because jason got his hockey mask it's not a friday the 13th movie mm. in fact this uh facebook group i'm in where people you're supposed to pick the best movie but people just pick their favorites which i mentioned yeah. before which is fine since i've accepted that now so now i also pick my favorite instead of what is actually the better one but uh they don't because friday the 13th is Today, uh, they were doing a bracket theme for that, so it was Friday the 13th, and everybody's just like, when 2 came up, fuck 2, it's stupid. It doesn't have have Jason's hockey mask. It's stupid. No, it's not. Have you watched it? Yeah. It's, I will say this, it's still very tame, which, again, if you watch the Crystal Lake Memories documentary, these early Friday the 13th, they get progressively gorier and gorier, but all the way up till part 7 and 8, they had to cut footage out because it still wouldn't pass muster with the MPAA back then, Mm. which, again, as I've talked about, Every Halloween horror. I might as well talk about it this year in case people join in for the first time. Right. There's no reason to show any of these 80s slasher films unedited on television these days, especially UAMC with your, you know, Nights of Fear or whatever, your horror fest, whatever it's called. I don't have cable anymore, so I don't, know, I don't remember what they call it, you know, <laughs> where you play an edited version of Friday the 13th Part 2 and then followed immediately by the season premiere of The Walking Dead, which is gorier than the entire franchise of Friday the 13th put together. Fear Fest, that's it. Yeah. Thank you, Jesse. Always got my back. Producer extraordinaire. <laughs> You're my hockey mask, whatever that hockey means. But uh, yeah, so end of rant on there. But part two, it's not bad. It's a good sequel, I would say. Now, it also should be noted as well, even though Sean Cunningham is a master at ripping off things, because it is, it is known, Friday the 13th, the original, is a ripoff of Halloween. Mm-hmm. That is why it was made. Yeah. That's, I'm not bad. Hey, he, he, good fucking call, dude. Inspired by. Yeah. Uh, your series, the ripoff series, was way more popular than the series it ripped off. Now, of course, no film in this franchise is better than the original Halloween. That film is fucking sacred in terms of slasher horror to me. It's still my, that would be my favorite bar none. John Carpenter is a master, is a master of horror for a reason. Uh, but nonetheless, these Friday the 13th, practically every year in the 80s for the most part, Back to back to back to back, and yeah, they become formulaic. They, be, you know, they, they, they get to that road where it becomes ridiculous. Where Jason's in L.A. I mean, I'm sorry, New York, aka yeah. Toronto. Aside from one scene, takes Manhattan. Yeah, which is still it's a it's fun. You know what you're getting into with that series, which is why you know I I don't care for the Saw series because the story's convoluted. But I understand that I'll, anybody who I offended in the past because you love Saw but hate Friday Thirteenth. Yes, Friday Thirteenth mm-hmm. is convoluted, but there's just some. There's just the clish, the B movie masquerading as an A movie style in the Friday the 13th series that I think makes it a bit more endearing than these big budget Saw movies that are so overproduced. Uh, but again, if you like that, hey, I, honestly, I'm 
I saw. I take back a lot of the bad stuff I said about the Saw franchise simply because of this. We have a horror franchise that's surviving today. Yeah. Much like in the 80s, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Streets, new sequels ad infinitum until the 90s. So, you know, it's good that we have a horror series that in modern day, you know, Scream did. I think Scream had four, maybe five, but it's got a TV show now, so... Is that Paranormal Activity is also doing it? I don't give a... Those, are, those don't count. Those are garbage. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. The, I will never take back anything I said about those. Any, any movie that relies on... Did you hear something? What is that? Oh, my God. And then yeah. they throw a sheet at the camera at the end and people freak the fuck out. Grow the fuck up. Uh, you know, but hey, Saw, I'll give you props. There's a Saw sequel coming out this year, this month, in October. That, that's actually awesome, I think. I, you know, we should see horror movies at the theater in October. Yeah. We see Christmas movies all over the place in December and November. It's going to be more It movies. Yeah, which, like we talked about, I think, a few episodes ago, how yeah. that's a great thing that it is destroying at the box office because that opens the door for more R-rated horror. So, because uh, most of these Friday Thirteenths, as they actually aired or were released, then that could, aside from the nudity, would be PG thirteen, bar none, because there's so many. The knife comes into frame and barely makes contact, and it's cut. Boom! You don't even see the gore half the time. Uh, so, but uh, in terms of the series, you know, the first one, yes, it's a ripoff of Halloween, but it, it was a murder mystery. Who's the killer? And then it shows up at the end, and it's Mrs. Voorhees. That hey, you know, people mm-hmm. want to talk about feminism. One of the greatest slashers of all time was Mrs. Voorhees. Mm-hmm. Granted, she only had one movie, but that, you know that was she was one of the first. Yep. Uh, you know, so the first one had a it had its it was a ripoff, but it did something different at least in that genre. Part two comes along, and now Cunningham, Tom Savini, Sean Cunningham, they didn't want anything to do with it because they like you know because they considered the end of the original to be just a dream sequence and just to scare people, a stinger at the end and scare them one more time. They didn't intend it to become a franchise. That at least so they say. At least that's what Sean Cunningham say says. I believe Tom Savini because he didn't come back to do the effects for this one. He went and did the Burning, uh, which is another eighties movie, which maybe we'll eventually cover with you know some underrated horror films one year. Uh, but we will get to it. But anyway, so they really didn't expect it to become a franchise. But as we know now, in hindsight, it became a juggernaut of a franchise. And this is one of the better entries, to be honest. Uh, first of all, Amy Steele's Jenny. I think in terms of you know that final girl trope, she's one of the best. I mean, she holds her own with Jason for the second half of the movie, pretty much. Uh, you know, uh, Steve Dash did a good job of Jason. You know, uh, people like to have that trope of oh, the killer walks. Well, no, not really, not really. Michael mm-hmm. Myers did. He yeah. was you know the originator of the walk was Michael Myers. Look at the early Friday Thirteenth. He's not. You know, there's most of the time it's surprise kills anyway, so there's not like chasing. But Jason mm-hmm. will, you know, he'll break into a, a brisk walk, you know, a light a light jog, or as they say in Europe, you know, jog, a light jog. You go for a light jog, uh, you know. So I wonder how that came up the first time. Like early on, it probably was related to not only is it kind of menacing, but I mean, all the gear that that person had to wear or something like that. Maybe like early early horror movies when they walk, it's like maybe they had prosthetics or something. Okay, don't or, run or I'll fall off. Or also uh, imagine, uh, let's get a few more seconds of footage here. So instead of running, yeah. walk. Build like, the suspense. But when you look at Halloween, it's it, you're absolutely right. It's menacing because, kind of like last week or earlier this week when we talked about Blade Runner, it ta- mm-hmm. it's a film that takes its time. Yeah, Horror movies don't usually do that. It's usually wham, bam, blah. Or wham, bam, aha, gotcha. And they get yeah. you, you know, that delayed, like, oh, you're safe. No, you're not. 
kind of gag. But when things started moving fast, that was also terrifying. Yeah, because it things like like you know, the ebb and tide of it were slow, and then Dawn of the Dead remake, we got running zombies, and then yeah. uh, twenty eight days later, actually, to be later. fair, before even though they're that's not when zombies, I would have marked it at. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, any, there, no, there are people who are infected with a disease. They're not dead, reanimated corpses. Like and, rabies. And let's break it down. Okay, most people. One of the biggest debates in the Friday Thirteenth community. We'll give our take on it. I'll get mm-hmm. your opinion. Is Jason Voorhees a zombie? My opinion is no, because to me, a zombie is a dead body that is reanimated to eat, that eats other people. Mm. That is a like zombie t- television Walking Dead day, Dawn right. of the Romero zombie. Eating flesh. Yeah, it that's its part. It has no thought. It just it's an it just chases people to eat. Jason Voorhees is like more like a vengeful spirit, reanimated body. Like a, a I don't know. I'm sure there in some culture there's something similar. I was gonna say ghost, but even ghosts, you know, you can't touch them usually. He's um, like a ghost. The uh, evil spirit took over his body, or something. I mean, but he's—it's a dead body that he's in. Yes, but just because a dead body's walking around to me doesn't mean it's a zombie, right? If, if it, it's an animated corpse, yeah. There you go. Frankenstein is yeah. Frankenstein a zombie? No. Yeah, he's a reanimated corpse. He doesn't go around eating human flesh. To me, that's the difference. That's what like that's my criteria for it being a zombie. Is this person, you know, eating people for you know, and that's the entire motive, right? Because. Uh, one zombie is not dangerous. One Jason Voorhees is fucking dangerous. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, yeah, so, uh, but, uh, Imagine revisit- if zombies had like machetes and axes. Though. They would just drag them around like, Argh. what if they knew though? Yeah. I could get my then food we'd be faster in trouble. this That's time. the next evolution of the zombie movie. That's, yeah. Where they're actually cognizant they're and armed. they're hungry. Yeah. They're just, where I can get my food faster if I yeah. stab hmm. this thing with tools. They've learned. Yeah, they learned how to use tools by watching us. Yeah, none of us can open doors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. We'll just make it like Jurassic Park. Yeah, except exactly. With, except it's zombies. With zombies. Zombie park. Zombie park. Uh, but anyway, by the way, part two, uh, it's a great sequel. I mean, they took what they had what, where one left off and tried to make do something with it. And I think they did a good job for what they have to work here. Again, we don't... No, if you watch a Friday the 13th for the story... You're watching it for the wrong reasons. Right. It's not a, there's, the plot line in Friday 13th is as confusing as Terminator. I mean, there's, you know, why is Jason wearing this at the end of part two and then part three takes up right after it, but he doesn't have this wound here. He's wearing different clothes. He's got uh, his head shaved, all sorts of things. It doesn't matter. You're just watching it because it's, you, these were made on the cheap to make money and they were entertaining. And one thing, and, and when you watch, if you, honestly, if you're a fan of, slasher films or just 80s horror watch the crystal lake documentary again it's like six hours long break it up over a few days but it's phenomenal just how much fun they had making these and watching i was like yeah i mean that's exactly why i think most people love these 80s horror movies the big ones like freddy jason i mean halloween ones weren't till much later because that franchise didn't kick into high gear until you know much much later to be honest uh but with freddy and jason that's why they became cultural icons because the people that were making them were having fun and they kind of knew what they needed to do to make it successful. And they did, uh, until, you know, Fred and now I mean, I'm sure I'm not putting in that same lump in that necessarily same lump because Craven came back for part three, added a whole bunch of mythology and then Rennie Harlan took it over in four and went straight MTV with it. So, but they all hit that note of just, these are entertaining. They knew their audience. 
Uh, and yeah, I think two is a very underrated entry in the franchise, and one of the best, one of the definitely one of the higher ones in terms of quality, I'd say. Aside from the fact that the that this film is like I think eighty, what does it say, running time? Hour and twenty seven, eighty seven minutes. The first fifteen to seventeen are a mixture of a recap before finally Alice uh, answers the phone for like ten minutes and then finally gets killed in her house. So it's really only about seventy minutes of new footage in this movie. But it keeps going. It has a good moment. It has a good pace. And it's entertaining. But anyway. And it's on YouTube. Yep. Which Most of them probably are. Yeah. <laughs> is it sped up? Well, we listened to it. It wasn't sped up. Yeah. But anyway, uh, some trivia. There's a good bit of here, too. Uh, uh, when the filmmakers asked Adrian King to reprise her role as Alice, she said that she wanted to be on screen for a short period of time because she actually had an obsessive fan who was stalking her and actually broke into her apartment and held her hostage for a few hours before she manages to get away. Hmm. So she pretty much wanted to get away from that. this and everything that was also too like familiar for like reminding her of real life trauma. And it wasn't until a few years ago to where she kind of like embraced being, you know, a scream queen right. and did, and did more conventions and all that and got over, you know, the trauma of what happened to her, which is good for her. It's awesome. Uh, now there's a fantastic kill in this film. I like to call the sex kebab where this couple of, they're having sex and Jason just takes a pole and just sticks it right through them both and through the bed. Mm. Uh, originally, that scene, Sandra and Jeff were their names. It was actually longer, and it had full frontal nudity from the actress, who was named Marta Kober. However, she lied and told them that she was actually of age. So they filmed it, and they didn't find out till they were editing it that she was underage, and therefore oh, you do not see her boobies at all. Because it would have been illegal. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. And also, that death was way more gorier, but thank you, MPA, for fucking up these movies. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but anyway, also, uh, here's a really cool piece of trivia you can throw out at parties if you're, you know, you're that, that type of person. But uh, <laughs> Jason was actually played for the first and only time in this film by a woman. And it was the very first shot where Jason's legs are walking across the street. That was done by, I thought I had the name, uh, Ellen Lutter, the costume, film's costume designer. So yeah, Jason was actually played by a woman for one time and one time only, and it was this film. Uh, okay, let's see. Oh, uh, the double impalement, with the sex kebab, it was cut to one X rating. However, on the, and this is what puzzled me as a kid too. This was for most of these. If you look on the VHS box on the back, they'd always have like at least one scene of one of the kills, like still pictures. They had one of the more gorier shots of the sex kebab on the back of the VHS box, but obviously nowhere to be seen in the movie hmm. because it was cut. In fact, 48 seconds were cut by, total by the MPA to avoid an X rating. Now, 48 seconds isn't a lot, but when you're talking about, you know, five seconds per kill of, yeah. like, gore, that's a lot. That's a lot of footage for a horror movie, and that's not superfluous, like, hey, uh, where's the phone at, Renee, or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, they're not cutting this, that out. They're cutting out, you know, the good stuff that you, you know, you want to see, the, the, the uh, special effects, gore effects. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. This film has one of the longest, as I mentioned, pre-credit sequences in cinematic history. Nearly 15 minutes. All before, the A, the credits roll, and you're into new material. Well, the Alice part is new, but, I mean, it's, it's very plotting. It's buffing that runtime. I mean, they still didn't even hit a minute and a half. I mean, an hour and a half. Uh, even if they kept in the 48 seconds of wow. deleted scenes, they still would have been seconds under 90 minutes. So... Uh, just now we're talking about the chronology. This film takes place five years after the first, which was set in 1979, according to Friday the 13th, the final chapter, meaning that 
uh, Friday the 13th Part 2 takes place in 84 during both summers. Both Friday the 13th occurred in July, making this film take place exactly to the day, five years after the events of the first film. Uh, mm. I wish I would have known this. Uh, in November 2003, the Pakanak Pakanak Lodge Central Cabin in this film sold on eBay for merely $15,000. Wow. So we could have bought a cabin on Crystal Lake for <laughs> $15,000, refurbished it, made it a bed and breakfast, yep. and made a shit ton of money like those good folks at the gas station. Yeah. Did with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, gas station, which I plugged when I got back from my, when we got back from our Dallas trip. Yeah. So uh, the scene where Jason is chasing Jenny and she jumps out of the woods, and he jumps out of the woods, I should say, he ended up falling on his pickaxe and breaking his ribs in a, a take of that. And he was knocked out. Another time he was knocked out. And then uh, in, the clima- in the end scene where they're in Jason's lodge, or chaise Jason, uh, where Jason is supposed to block Amy Steele's machete swing, well, she missed the middle of the machete, I mean, uh, the pickaxe, and hit his finger and cut his thumb pretty bad. Didn't uh, cut it off or anything, but it needed stitches. So, uh, he used a rubber one, <laughs> a rubber <laughs> knife. But uh, Steve Dash ended up having to go to the hospital, the ER, full Jason garb, still had a machete stuck in him to get his thumb stitched up. And he said in the Crystal Lake documentary, it's funny, he said he's walked into the emergency room with the machete in him, the fake one, and everybody's like, oh my God, sir, do you need something? Yeah, he said, yeah, my thumb's kind of split open with the machete. So imagine, I mean, I think it's wow. funny. But uh, so, uh, yeah, but he got <laughs> stitches and went back and they finished the scene. So uh, here's a little bit more of the background stuff regarding how the sequel got made, as I kind of touched on earlier. Uh, Sean Cunningham, the director of the original and the writer, Victor Miller, uh, they made Friday the 13th, the ripoff Halloween, but even they drew the line at doing a sequel to Friday the 13th centered around Jason. And Tom Savini, who made his name with Friday the 13th, agreed, and he is quoted as saying, so is Jason living off crayfish by the pond for 35 years and nobody saw this weird kid? However, Friday the 13th producer Steve Miner, who directed this one, had no such professional reservations, so Cunningham, Miller, and Savini walked, leaving at that point uh, Miner to take over as director, and Ron Kurz, who performed uncredited rewrites on the original Friday the 13th, took over the scripting duties, as he would do for 3 and 4 as well. And Cunningham did eventually turn to assist his friend Steve Miner with casting and pre-production. So that's kind of a little, in a nutshell, behind-the-scenes stuff. And I... Uh, have, you, uh, blah, blah, blah. have you heard of the Mandela Effect? I don't think so. Well, uh, you know, uh, I thought... Some people, it's called the Mandela Effect because some people would swear, bet their life that they thought Nelson Mandela died in prison before he was ever released, hmm. which that wasn't the case because he was released not, and yeah. you know, became president of South Africa, I believe. Uh, so it's, it's called the Mandela Effect because so many people believe that he died and didn't realize that he was still alive. Wow. Uh, for example, you remember the, that, that cartoon Bears, like when you were a kid? Yeah, I know or, that. What fact. were they called? Um, what, were, what, did your, what does your childhood say? I guess I would go with the uh, Berenstein Bears. The correct one. <laughs> Is that correct? I don't remember. Well, see, but yeah. if I remember correctly, when I was a kid, some it was the Bernstein or Berenstein Bears. But it's actually I think they the, called it Berenstein, like some people it, said Stein some, or something. There's actually, now of course, as a kid, I see that because I obviously just mispronounced it. Right. But there are people that, that are adamant about, no, there's two separate realities where in one it's the Bernstein <laughs> and the other it's the Berenstein. So, but it, it's a... Mandela Effect's a, a big thing that it's on coast to coast a lot, blah, blah, blah. However, the actual instance that I swear I thought this was true, 
in a deleted part of the ending of this film, after the camera has completely zoomed in on Miss Voorhees' head, her eyes open and she smiles at the camera, indicating that Jason has killed Paul. This was cut for looking too fake. Since it was cut, it is not considered evidence that Paul's murdered. Blah, blah, blah. Never mind. Fuck that shit. I swear I saw that as a kid. But I, I have no proof of that. But every time sure. I watch this movie, watching it again for the podcast, I was like, God, I swear. It, it, every time it gets to that ending and it zooms in her head, I'm like, I remember her eyes opening. This is before I ever read this on IMDb. This is as a kid. I swear to God, I always remembered yeah. her eyes opening and talking about it with other kids on the playground. And in fact, when, you're, when you watch part two, you can tell it's at some points in the scene, this scene, that mm-hmm. it's an actress with her head, you know, made up sitting on the table, you know, under, with her body under the table. Right. Blatantly so. So I don't know if uh, it could, again, it could be complete fiction from a child's memory which happens to all of us in certain things, or did the television versions at some point actually have that footage for some reason? Yeah. I have no clue. I'm pretty sure it's just my imagination. Yeah. But I, I, it's one of those things that if I, before I researched it and, and read this, I would have bet that, yeah, I remember seeing that as a kid. So if you think you saw it as a kid, let me know, because I swear to God, I, again, most likely a dream, but I was pretty sure I saw it. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> speaking of other part two in part twos in the slasher genre, uh, this came out the same year as Halloween two, because uh, John Carpenter was basically coerced into creating another Halloween movie by the studio after the success of the original Friday the Thirteenth. So the ripoff inspired a sequel to the film that the original ripped off. Are you keeping track, kiddies? However, whereas Halloween two was for some reason loathed by Halloween fans and critics alike, who bemoaned the sharp drop off in quality of the series after part one, which yeah, part two is not as good as part one. Part two is still pretty damn good. I think that, I mean, part two, I saw part two before I saw part one because that was the one that came on USA every single Halloween night they played Halloween two. Mm. I didn't see the original till years later at some random ass video store in Denham Springs, the town over from where I lived, where we finally found a VHS copy of it to rent because they never played the original on television for some reason. But anyway, so I don't consider it a drop, a short drop off that comes later. Uh, however, Friday 13th part two is generally considered by serious fans as being better than part one with a stronger villain who is creepy and menacing here without becoming superhuman and ridiculous as he did in the later entries in the series and featuring crisp and effective direction by Steve Miner and many startling set pieces. It's actually considered to be the best in the series. I wouldn't go that far, but it's definitely one of the better ones. And we're talking about a 12-deep series, including Freddy vs. Jason and the remake of films here. So there's a lot of wiggle room, but it is definitely one of the better ones. Uh, body count on this one is nine, plus one character who is presumed to be dead, but it's unconfirmed. But if you count the bodies from the dream sequence recapping the end of the first one, you can add three more to the total body count. But we don't, because Jason only killed nine in this one, and that is the lowest of the Friday the 13th series, by the way. Hmm. Uh, best kill has to be the sex kebab. Uh, a <laughs> lot of people like the, for some reason, I think it's just insensitive. They like the one where the handicapped gentleman was hit in the face <laughs> with a machete and then yeah. goes down the stairs. That is probably the funniest to me because it's pretty ridiculous where these these exorcist stairs appear out of nowhere in this camp and he goes all the way down and without falling off, it's coming. Yeah. It's near there. Oh, actually, they go there. inside and then he goes out. Yeah, it's after that arm wrestling scene. But uh, a lot of people like that one, but the bed kebab, sex kebab is much more effective to me and much more Jason-esque, I think. Uh, score-wise, I'd give it a 7.5. It's a good sequel. It's a good, it's a good slasher movie. It, it extends the mythology of the first one. You have a, again, you, you know, it's, there's no murder mystery. You know it's Jason, but he's, mu- you know, 
pre-hockey mask, he's, it's pretty terrifying seeing a guy come at you with that hooded mask with one eye hole with a pitchfork or a pickaxe. That's pretty fucking scary. Uh, and also, again, props to Amy Steele in this one. The female lead is a strong female character. She's not... Mm-hmm. I mean, she's running for her life, but she's smart. What does she use at the end? She, they have that throwaway... Not a throwaway line, but they mentioned earlier that she's a child psychology major, uh, which, you know, if you don't pay attention, you'll miss it when they say it. But then she's... You know, they're talking about the myth of Jason, and then, like, oh... I'm going to put on his mother's sweater and pretend to be his mom. So it all, you know, it's not hokey. She's actually using her college education <laughs> to thwart a mentally stunted redneck murderer. Yeah. It works. You know, it's a, it, has some, it has some, dare I say, moments of brilliance for a slasher movie uh, in this film. So it's definitely, it is definitely one of the better ones. Not my favorite, but it's, I will never say, chastise anybody for thinking this is their favorite. Uh, when the wheelchair kid goes down the stairs, he, he lands. <laughs> he go, he I mean, rides it all the way. So and I mean, he's dead. Yeah. So that goes to show what do you need ramps for? <laughs> wow. Jesse, yeah. that's nail coffin. That's Boom. Let's get rid of those wheelchair ramps. Yeah. Proof. A dead guy in a wheelchair can <laughs> yeah. go downstairs. With so be brave, wheelchair people. Just get down those stairs. <laughs> the trick is going backwards. That's yeah. what he did. Well, he did it? Yeah. Without even looking. Have no fear. Just... Uh, you know, let Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> the wheels, Jesse. The wheels. The wheels. <laughs> take all four of those wheels. Oh, man. Here's your ticket to hell. Yep. I'll take one, too. <laughs> yeah. See you later. But uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yes. so uh, this Friday the 13th, I hope that during the day you're listening to this and that you hopefully tonight will watch one of the Friday the 13th. And if you're having trouble deciding, you can't go wrong with part two. Yeah. Uh, I was asking my wife which one does she like the best. She still likes the first one. Not going to falter for that. It's a classic. But, uh, you know, this Friday 13th, we'll be watching part seven. A, because that's the number that we're on, because I've been watching them every now and then as, since the game's been out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, part two Jason in the game is OP, and if you're playing as him, you're a Jason noob and need to learn how to play as Jason, play as part eight <laughs> uh, or nine, because he can run and he has a shit ton of traps. So he can put traps on all the vehicles by the phone box and he can run. So he's kind of the noob Jason. But if you like that plane as that one, whatever, that's fine. I'll still get away anyway. With my <laughs> level my ten stealth and my uh, pocket knives and all that shit. So those are hardcore threats. Yep, bring it. PSN Zone of the Ender. Challenge me. Be Jason. I'll be a survivor. I'll be a counselor. You will not catch me oh. unless you have. Un- unless you know, there's always that randomness of the game. I happen to spawn right by you because <laughs> that's usually you know that's the biggest. Not a complaint. It's random. You know, you might spawn. You happen to spawn by the phone box where the Jason play personally and Jason spawns first. Mm-hmm. That's just bad luck on your part. You know, I mean, yeah. you can't. There's nothing you can do about that. However, I guarantee I will survive at least four or five minutes because I know what to do. <laughs> I know your tricks, part two, Jason. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, anyway, uh, let's see. Back to the future. Talked gushed on Blade Runner earlier this week, and since then. Since we're recording this right after we recorded that episode, <laughs> I haven't seen anything since I talked about Blade Runner last week. Right. Or uh, earlier this week. What did I say? Uh, I saw Spider Man Homecoming. What'd you think? You know. Um, casting was odd. Uh, overall, the movie was all right. Yeah. It was all right. Good and bad. Fun I love Michael Keaton is a great villain. Yeah. And he's yeah. he's def he's versa- he's so good. He's he can, the best he can, part of that movie. He can be a hero, he can be a villain, he can be a tortured hero. Yeah. He can be a, a villain that you kind of you, you understand his motives. He can be a crazy-ass villain. 
But uh, he was definitely yeah. Donald Glover in the movie was an odd choice because I know he said I want to be Spider Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's Miles Miles Morales in the comic, the African American Spider Man, which yeah. everybody was like thinking that's why he was kind of thrown in there, so to speak, to maybe set that up. But he's not even that character. So, yeah, the character he played was really strange. Yeah, it was no purpose. Like there was one really eye closed. The whole time. There was like no real purpose to him. No, it wasn't. I wish they, he would have been more significant. Yeah. I guess he was just like, I want to be in Spider-Man. But then that ruins the chances of you yeah, playing anybody else for later. Real. Unless they just totally... Which is not beyond them to just change the mythology. Yeah. And it's not Miles Morales. It's whatever his name was in the movie. Yeah. So, but we'll see. But uh, I think I talked last week about Near Dark. Because it was the first time I saw it all the way through. What else? We've just been watching horror movies every night. I'm just thinking, we didn't watch it. We've been watching ones that we've seen before. Except for Near Dark. So, haven't seen anything new. Or Oh, actually, we've been binge-watching Home Improvement. Because it's on Hulu. And in the 90s, 90, oh, I think it came boy. out in 92, so like yeah. 12, 13 years old, oh, Friday boy. night, me and my family, we'd, we would not miss an episode of Home Improvement. Yep. And it actually holds up. I've laughed. It's got, it reminds me of He-Man because you have your ridiculous hero. Yeah. yeah. But each one has that little message in it, you know, like, hey, Randy, let me tell you, you can't steal because that's bad. Oh. Yeah. End of episode. But uh, it's actually a heartfelt you know, moment. And also, uh, there's a, it, they have a, a lot of sex humor in there that I never got as a 12, 13, 14-year-old. <laughs> yeah. So, because even though every time Pamela Anderson appears as a kid, I was like, ooh, Lisa. More Lisa. But uh, yeah, because uh, I was like, hey, I, so a few months ago, she's like, she brought up, like, is Home Improvement on Hulu or can you download some legally? I was like, uh, no, baby, I can't find it anywhere to legally download. So I will not be downloading it for you. Uh, but then the other day, she was like, hey, they added a whole bunch of TGIF shows to Hulu. They added, like, Step by Step, which uh, I didn't care about, except for the brunette daughter, uh, <laughs> Full House, bleh, and uh, Home Improvement. So immediately, it's like, oh, hell yeah, we'll watch Home Improvement. And I think it holds up. Still, it's still funny. I still thoroughly enjoy watching it. Wow. I've watched uh, American Vandal on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed. I always enjoy a movie when I watch it. I'm like, oh, we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever it's like that, I'm like, I hope the production of it was as close of a production that we could do, mm-hmm. you know. But I really appreciated the uh, the ride of it all, like because it's for anyone who's seen um, making, making murder. a murderer. You know, there's moments where you think, oh, he's innocent. Oh, he's guilty. No, he might be innocent. Oh, he's guilty. You know, it does that yeah. roller coaster ride of because stuff. Because of irresponsible directing and editing in that show. Right. But that that's exactly what the show and it, yeah. it makes an excuse of it because he's a high school kid. But there's also comedy behind it because it's about who's spray painting dicks on yeah. cars. It, but um yeah, they play it serious as possible. But then every once in a while they'll do something funny like you know. Well, I can't say. Just watch the thing, yeah. and you'll know. It's only eight episodes long. It leaves it open for a sequel. Um, but, you know, it stars a guy that's on YouTube who's made some funny videos. Mm-hmm. gets a lot of views, uh, which I may have shown you some. I don't know. He, do, he did... The most popular clip he did was... Uh, it was a football game where it was like a Make-A-Wish kid was going to run a touchdown, and then... He's almost getting to the end zone, and then someone tackles him and cheers. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I got him. Yeah. And he, sh- he put that on, on the internet without putting his name on it just to, so people would think it was real. 
And then a bunch of people stole it and <laughs> claiming it was theirs. <laughs> typical. Yeah. So yeah. typical. So I don't think he did that anymore. But <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. Well, we'll be back uh, for y'all's ears in just a couple of days. Mm-hmm. But for us, about a week. <laughs> so, <laughs> about a week. So we'll hopefully have some other stuff watched to talk about when we get back around there. Uh, oh, no, wait. Uh, I do have one thing. Uh, playing Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite fucking sucks. Fuck you, Capcom. Fuck you. I've been playing uh, Divinity, the first one. No. Oh. <laughs> Going through with uh, Melissa on that and uh, Rocket League and what else? You've been playing Destiny, huh? Yeah, too. How is that? It's good. Uh, the, the best thing they did is that I don't, there's no pressure that I feel to like have to level up. Really? Kind of like the first one where we're like, oh, gotta get raid ready. Yeah. Like, uh, or there was no uh, big gap between, uh, once you get, you know, in the original, I think. Yeah, I think it was like maybe around 180 light or 210 light. It was certain that light level where like you had to, excuse me, grind and grind and grind, overcome that hump to where the drop rate was different. Right. This one, I've been consistently level up. Mm-hmm. You can play it casually if yeah. you want, or you can play it hardcore. Like I played it casually. I'm at 285 light, 15 away from the cap on a character. Mm. And that's just kind of logging in, just doing what I want to do. Not I haven't done the raid yet. Yeah. But, uh, if three people in your clan do the raid together, you get a drop from it a week. Oh. So you actually get a reward for not even doing the raid, <laughs> which is great because not everybody wants to do the raid. Sure. Not everybody wants to play multiplayer. Yeah. I just want to get on and play with my friends, but you know everybody's schedules are whack. We only played like two or three times. Yeah. You know, but it's it's great. I like how because I was like oh, it's coming out. I'm still I'm still playing Friday Thirteenth as much as anything. Right. Uh, you know I want to play Friday Thirteenth. It's October. I want to play a horror game, but Destiny's coming out. Ugh. You know, but it, I don't have. I don't, there's no pressure because I, I don't. If I if I don't play Destiny today, I don't. I'm not missing anything. Yeah. But now if I'm, everybody's getting on to do the raid or do some Crucible or whatever, or a certain event in the game that I'm interested in, then that's where okay, I'm gonna play some Destiny now. Yeah. There's no like worried about getting left behind, so to speak. I mean, you will if you don't play at all. But you know, like I said, I mean, I play maybe a little bit each day just to see what's going on, what the cha- daily challenges do that, and I'm. Um, I'm at a level to where I can run the raid whenever I want. I'm not, the max is 300. I'm at 385. I can handle anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in terms of content, everything's open to me. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, uh, of course, Fractured Butthole comes out next wait. week or week after next. Two weeks. Seriously? Oh, I'm so glad that snuck up on me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, got it pre-ordered. I'm excited. I thought it was December. No, it's this month. Oh, Look it up. Awesome. Yep, because uh, it comes out in a week or two, and then uh, Shadow, uh, uh, Shadow of Mordor sequel comes out uh, the week oh, after that. I'm so happy. 17th, yep. So, four days after you hear this podcast. So, i got to finish all battle. my work before October exactly. 17th. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. I, like I said, uh, also, it sucks because I, re- I really want to play this, but I also wanna really want to play Shadow of Mordor, or Shadow of War, the Shadow of Mordor sequel. Being released on Steam? Sweet. So, I could just... Get the PC version still work then. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> my two computers screen, are right next yeah. to each other. <laughs> you know, just walk around and level up while you're like it's, doing it's a some turn-based work. thing, right? Yeah, yeah so that'd be fun. But uh, this has been my most anticipated Sweet. game ever since you thankfully urged me to play the first one so much. Yeah. God. <laughs> and even Autumn was like, "You're gonna like not play it until I'm around, right?" I'm like, <laughs> "Sorry." <laughs> Sorry. There's another game coming out the week after that. I have to have this one beat <laughs> so I can play that one. Oh my God! What is it? Shadow of War, the sequel to Shadow of Mordor. The oh, see, I haven't gotten through that one yet. That one. I have it on PC. That um, one's awesome. Like that game blew me away in terms fun, of the yeah. fun of it. Like, 
because it's, it's you, a, it just throws you in there though. Yeah, right? which is which perfect. Is cool. And like, and you know, here's all these things. Go to what you it's want. What you always want is something exactly. just throws you in. But at the same time, the learning curve was huge for yeah. me. I was just it, like, what well, it was like you had to kind of figure out and learn how you wanted to tailor your character, right? And how, how your play style, and then you know, because you're used to a game that gives you levels and stuff. But no, this is just a big field. Yeah, so that that big <laughs> thing over there. Yeah, you might want to fight it now. You know, you might want to go over here and kill some little <laughs> orcs first. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, but uh, it's video game. It's a great month for video games. It's a great month for horror movies. As we're doing here on the podcast, uh, don't forget. Also, uh, no emails this week, uh, but let us know uh, again if you want to guess what the next film is. It's going to be transforming in just a couple of days for you. There's your clue. There's your clue. So uh, uh, let us know if you have any guesses there. Agevisitedgmail.com uh, at Agevisited on Twitter. At Awesome Pods on Facebook, uh, shout outs both near and far. Now versus Nostalgia, John and James, and all the way across the world in Tasmania, where it's already tomorrow with Ben, the Tasmanian Devil Wide, and the Asia Mania podcast. And we will be back next week. And I remain, until then, Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Oh, Jason said Calabunga. Did you hear it? No. Damn it. No, I didn't. Calabunga. <laughs> <laughs>